Good afternoon, everybody. It is Thursday afternoon, and it is now time for Inside the Eye Live Prime Time. Hey, Fetch. Hey, Fetch. Quiet, quiet. Go ahead. She's she's asking a question. Don't be rude. Don't be rude. Hey, Fetch. Did that woman really say you have garnets of steel and a mind like a freaking laser? Mary, you can't be asking questions like that. This is Inside the Eye Live Primetime. Why not? Aren't we broadcasting from the Middle East? Well, yeah, but we might be seen as being politically incorrect. You know, the problem is everybody dumps people when there's a, like a sign of, of political incorrectness. Etan, you're always politically correct. Heck, thanks. Does, does that mean we can talk about dumping the Israelis tomorrow? sure you will probably say quite a bit more than that. And now coming to you live from somewhere in the Middle East, this is Inside the Eye Live Primetime with your host, The Fetch. All right, thank you very much for that, Mary from Riyadh. This is indeed The Fetch and you are listening to Inside the Eye Live Primetime. Today's date is Thursday, February the 27th, 2020, and a good Thursday afternoon to early evening to all of you listening in the United States and Canada, and of course, a good early Friday morning if you are out there listening in European and Asian time zones, and of course, wherever you are listening out there on the World Wide Web or our FM and micro FM broadcasting outlets may all be well with you and yours. Another nice day, actually quite comfortable winter day here in Riyadh as daytime highs hit 78 degrees under largely sunny to hazy skies. Current temperature is sitting at 55 degrees at just after 2 o'clock in the morning local and we are going to be going down to an overnight low of 50 degrees in the hour before sunrise. Winds are pretty well calm. I've actually opened up the fan here a little bit because it's a bit stagnant air. But that wasn't the case earlier this week. We got our first dust storm of the early spring season. Uh, that kicked off, what, a Tuesday through Wednesday, I believe, something like that. And it was severe enough that the government shut down elementary level schools for the day, the following day for myself. I made the mistake of sleeping with my windows slightly open and awoke to a house coated in a very, very fine dust, so much so that when you picked up your comb from the desk, you had a near duplicate image imprinted where the dust was not able to coat the otherwise empty desk. So it was kind of a cool thing to look at, but uh, the problem here is, and of course, if you live out in the Phoenix area or other areas where there's deserts in the United States, you can probably appreciate what I'm talking about when these dust storms pick up, but the real problem isn't the dust on the furniture. It's the dust coating your throat as you breathe it in all night. Needless to say, after a night of breathing in a fine coating of dust, I awoke to a really, really bad cough, bad throat, sore throat, I should say. And that's yet to clear up. It's getting a little bit better. Hopefully a couple more days I'll be fine. So if I break away coughing a bit during the show, you know why. And no, it's not the coronavirus. It's just dealing with really a very sore throat after trying to really recover from breathing in about a cup full of dust. You know, actually, first of all, let me just get over and say welcome, everybody. Hope you're enjoying your day. Hope you're having a nice day. Uh, wherever you're listening, obviously, hope things are going well. Chat room, if you want to join me today. I'm working my way over there now, actually, to the chat room, InsideTheILive.com. Let me just kind of get that opened up right away. So InsideTheILive.com. 
I can't see through the microphone. Uh, InsideTheILive.com forward slash live underscore chat. That will get you into the chat room. And uh, you can always hit the live live chat button, by the way, on the website. That works. Let me break this off so I can close it individually. And let's see who's there. I got an Anna on there. Hello there. Panna, who else is there? A new name, Field. Well, welcome. Windmiller's there. Mer Bailey, and of course, you guys let me know and uh, in the chat room if we're doing okay, because I have no idea until somebody tells me, quite frankly. I always assume it's okay. And Mer Bailey's there. So, okay, great. And telephone lines today, of course, always open. We have a nice call-in show, one three two three two seven five one three one four. And this is, let's be honest, everybody, it's the only, only alternative media, patriot-minded, populist-minded talk show where you can call somebody in the Middle East dead in the heart of the Middle East and actually get yourself on air back out all over the world. It's kind of cool when you think about it. Even for me, I think it's kind of cool. All right, let's get off to the news here, at least the lead story. And I really do hate to start off with the uh, coronavirus as our lead story. But no matter what you might think about it, how it got started, what's behind it, etc., the reality is this thing is starting to take on a very serious toll on the global scene. For instance, the pan-European stock 600 today closed down 3.6, lower, that is, down, lower is down, I guess, huh? Officially entering correction territory, it was more off more than 10% from its record high, which was notched on February the 19th. The index also hit a four-month low, while all major indices were firmly in the red, and that's Europe. Now, moving over to the United States today, the Dow Jones has plummeted nearly 1,200 points to close at 26,957, signaling, they say here, that investor anxiety about the potential impact of the coronavirus continues to worsen despite China's signs that the economic economic activity is starting to pick up there. Now, the S&P 500 in the U.S. index, it lost 4.4% per, 4. 4% or 137 points, and the NASDAQ composite lost 4.6% with all three indices running their morning sell-off, and it didn't stop. The Dow is now down more than 3,200 points this week alone and has lost 12.8% from its peak on February the 12th. So pushing really, you've got this whole thing also, the U.S. stock market now is into technically correction territory. Goldman Sachs, uh, the big Jew money guys, predicted that U.S. companies would see no earnings growth in 2020 as a result of this particular outbreak. Meanwhile, tech giants like Apple and Microsoft saw their stocks down roughly 8% each today. So it's a huge thing. The big number today, of course, is the 1,190 point drop in the stock Dow Jones 30. That is the largest one-day point decline in history. Uh, what else? If the Dow falls another 20%, if we can get down to 23,640, that would be a level we haven't seen since January the 9th, uh, 2019. And it would mean that we would be officially in bear market territory. So this thing is having a huge effect. And, and even us here in Saudi, I kept saying, uh, if you've been listening the past few shows, I'm saying, look, we've been noticing it and we're being affected by it. 
But first, it's the business side. Again, the business has taken a huge hit. Uh, lots and lots of trade show cancellations. Uh, if we go to Asia, the list is actually too long to read. But Singapore, the, the Singapore Air Show was canceled. Uh, China Commodity Markets Insights uh, Forum, uh, canceled. National Association of Travel Agents Singapore, canceled. Uh, telecoms shows in Barcelona, canceled. China Iron Ore Symposium, uh, canceled or postponed. If not canceled, it's either postponed or canceled. Bursa Malaysia Derivatives, that's probably a good thing they just shut that thing down. Food and Hotel Asia and Singapore, uh, more than 80,000 attendees to this thing. Last held in 2018, uh, so it's basically every two years. It has been postponed till July. Most of these are going to be postponed out till July-ish. Sixth China LNG and Gas International Exhibition and Summit in Shanghai, which is coming up this week, postponed till later this year. They're process of confirming that but it just goes on and on and on and on of course the uh, mwc barcelona that is the largest uh, mobile trade show in the world it, it was canceled uh, organizers of eva the outdoor classics trade show it's also known as the euro shot show uh, has been postponed that one out today i'm getting private messages on that one because i was planning to be there and some of the main headliners to that event everything from the remittance to the six hours and a lot of the major gun manufacturers have pulled their staff and made announcements equally that there will be no international travel pending a resolution or direction as to where this coronavirus is heading so it's having even if it's not and you don't believe it's a serious issue right now, uh, business-wise, it is having an effect without any doubt. Again, I was going to be in Germany next week. I would planned to go. I had not booked my ticket. That's a good thing. So I don't have any hotel bills. A lot of these shows are not reimbursing the people who had signed up. I'm talking about the hotels, et cetera. They're not reimbursing. So if you prepaid that hotel, uh, sorry, so sorry, sir. Uh, we are going to keep your money. So that's kind of how it's happening uh, here in Saudi Arabia. They today announced a halt of entry for all pilgrimage into the country to visit Mecca and Medina. And the Saudi government said it would suspend visas for Muslims seeking to visit again Mecca and Medina. And, of course, if you're not aware, millions upon millions of uh, Muslims take that journey every year, especially during the month of Ramadan, which is coming up. Oh, middle April to middle May, something like that, or early May, the month of May, something like that. And Saudi Arabia has also suspended visas now for tourists from countries with confirmed cases of the virus. I'm not sure if that affects the United States or not. And it's not clear at this stage when visa restrictions are actually going to be lifted or how Ramadan and the major Hajj pilgrimage, which begins in July this year, are going to be affected. So, and this is a major, major moneymaker, obviously, for the kingdom as a lot of people come here. Uh, now, currently in the Middle East, Kuwait is confirming 43 cases of the coronavirus. Iran has imposed domestic travel restrictions for those with confirmed or suspected cases on the vi- of the virus. On Thursday, it confirmed more deaths, bringing to the t- bringing that up to 26. Iraq has confirmed its sixth case, and that was a young guy in Baghdad who had traveled from Iran. 
so now the government is banning travel to and from the most affected areas of the countries. Uh, Lebanon has confirmed a second case. Bahrain has suspended flights to and from Iraq and Lebanon until further notice. And seven new cases were reported on Wednesday uh, in Bahrain. And Qatar has ordered the evacuation of Qatari and Kuwaiti citizens from Iran. Furthermore, the travel regimen here, if you are a GCC member citizen, which would be everybody now, which would be, I guess, uh, not Iraq, but it would be Bahrain, Oman, UAE, uh, who else? Bahrain, Oman, UAE, Kuwait, Saudi. That's five. Qatar would be the sixth. Uh, basically, you would be able to travel just with your ID card, but that is actually being blocked now. Uh, travel must be made via your passport, so it's going to have to go. There was a simplified travel regimen for all GCC citizens, kind of like treating it like the United States. You could just go from city to city, get kind of like preferential clearance into each of these countries, but that's now being blocked. You're going to have to travel with your passport now. So a lot of things are changing here. Now, which as, you know, as far as the travel goes, it's getting very complicated. Now, what you might not know about the coronavirus is that we actually had a coronavirus outbreak here in Saudi Arabia from 2012 to 2015. And again, started in 2012, it was called eventually MERS or the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. It was a coronavirus. It had affected several countries in the, at the time. And when I was here, you know, MERS was a big thing. You know, you could everywhere. You would see pictures everywhere. You would see things on the television. Oh, when you would travel out and about, you would see signs and, you know, wearing this and doing that and don't go to shisha shops and things like that. There were 24, not, I should not say, yeah, 24 countries eventually reported this MERS coronavirus back then. It was again between 2012 to 2015. There were 1,000 confirmed cases and of the 1,000 confirmed cases, there was, there were 100 people who died by it, that would be a 40% death rate. And by the middle of 2015 or so, that virus pretty much disappeared off of the radar screen and did not come back. So this is something that they had dealt with in the Middle East for a little bit there. So they're being very cautious, obviously. And again, independent of what everybody thinks about this virus, how it got started, whether it's 5G, it's this or that, it's a combination, it's bioengineered, whatever the case may be that you believe. Uh, okay, I'm okay with all of that. It could all be true. Uh, I'm not one to doubt anything, but I'm just saying we did have a coronavirus outbreak here uh, in Saudi again in 2012, 2015. Another issue that I find fascinating is not so much the information that is out there on this, but the amount of information coming to me that is unconfirmable. And in other words, it's just rumors because I can't confirm it. I can't get a second source. For instance, reports came in today by uh, hearsay, basically, because they would not know, uh, to the best of my knowledge, that said that two planes were actually turned back in Jeddah basically refueled and sent back home. That was the rumor. Again, it's a rumor because I could not find any information uh, out there, official publication that said this actually happened. But I did have a couple people come up to me and say, hey, did you hear what happened in Jeddah today? And that was one thing. Again, whether that's a rumor or not, 
again, I have no idea. It could be because I could not find any um, uh, conf- confirming secondary sources from any news media. I just couldn't find it. Another one that came in today, someone comes in, says, hey, do you like Saudi Arabia? I said, well, yeah, it's okay. Why? And the guy says, because the borders are now closed. Nobody can get in and nobody can get out. Saudi Arabia is officially sealed. I'm like, what? That doesn't make sense. I'm like, no way, man. Come on, dude. So basically, yeah, there's people out there now here in the kingdom that believe anyways, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But they believe that they got, and these are Jordanians, by the way, they got a message from the border control people that said that the borders were closed. Now, if that means that the borders were closed by land via routes that travel between Saudi and Jordan, I don't know. Again, I cannot confirm any of this, but this is the type of information that is starting to get out as, you know, the virus, you know, as the media hypes this up and the virus spreads and things of this nature continue to abound out there. So, again, just kind of you have to watch what's going on. I know in northern Italy, they have actually a pretty serious problem. I think seven towns are in lockdown. We actually have um, some of our management uh, up in Italy at the present time. So I said, you know, there's a big problem up there, right? You said, yeah, I don't care. Come on, man. If it's my time to go, it's my time to go. I said, okay, that's that's the good old Muslim way, inshallah type of stuff. You know, not inshallah, but you know what I mean. Uh, and that's, you know, when it's your time to go, it's your time to go type attitude. Yeah, no, neither rain nor hail nor sleet nor snow will keep the postman from his appointed hours or, or appointed uh, route or whatever the case that story was. But anyways, it's it's a problem, everybody, uh, again. But here's the thing about uh, this virus. There were two doctors in, uh, I think, Phoenix area, uh, Arizona. And they, they got some play here in some of my news feeds here. And they say, well, you know, since planes are such a, a dangerous place for the virus to spread. Well, maybe, you know, we shouldn't allow anybody to travel that hasn't had, had the, uh, a vaccination. I'm like, you guys are complete morons. That's, that, that's it. That's the case. Let's all default to the big welfare whores, the vaccine industry, who basically damages and kills more people than probably any other organized entity out there, corporate entity out there. I mean, come on, you've even got the head of the CDC claiming with to Congress, quite frankly, that uh, that what's happening with vaccines is it can trigger autism, for instance. It's like, yeah, okay, that's great. You're admitting the problem, but, you know, all these families you're damaging, you don't give a damn about. So, yeah, you've got this. Other people are saying, look, if, if the airplanes are the problem, why don't you put proper – Filterization inside the airplanes. It costs about twenty to twenty-five thousand to properly treat the air in an airplane. It's not all that expensive. Okay, make the airlines start doing it. That might be a better thing because, quite frankly, if you're telling someone you can't travel unless you get a vaccine, that's duress. You're basically putting people under duress. And again, you should not be putting people under duress just because you are an idiot. Meaning those who are calling for the vaccination of people just unilaterally. The fact of the matter is these people are idiots in the vaccine industry. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Uh, or if they do, they're not doing it to help you. They're doing it to harm you typically. And so one has to just wonder what the hell is on these people's minds. You know, the vaccine, pro-vaccine lobby is one of the most evil 
entities going today. And perhaps it should be one of those that should be absolutely destroyed and gutted from without and within because these people are absolutely insane monsters. Uh, the way they go about poisoning children, poisoning families, killing people, quite frankly, uh, just to make a buck. What cowards, quite frankly. This is cowardice beyond any any semblance of logic. Uh, anyways, uh, one last issue is uh, framing, how it's being framed out there. How's the story being framed relative to American politics? And that's what Trump, obviously today you're probably aware, if you're not, Trump is putting Vice President Pence in charge of the coronavirus response. And I'm like, okay, that's a great, yeah, right, Pence is, I have about as much confidence in Pence as a manager as I probably have in the burger flipper over at McDonald's, who you hired from the get-go. He's not probably going to be any better, quite frankly. Uh, I have no confidence in Pence as a person, even. Uh, he just looks like he's a robot that's pretty... St- he, he just doesn't impress, put it that way, without being too nasty. Uh, but anyways... One interesting facet is, of course, is how the media is playing this. Now, let's be honest. In American politics, uh, it's the economy, stupid. Always. It's the economy, stupid. So what's happening in the United States is that you have a situation where the economy has been doing quite well. And the better way to bring down Donald Trump would be to destroy the United States economy. So what better way to do that than to use your media, make this as scary as possible, make it to where people are overreacting and that therefore commerce starts to grind to a standstill and that's actually what's happening. Well, we now learn that a CD official, CDC, Center for Disease Control official who raised fears about this virus turns out to be, guess what? A Jew. (laughs) Isn't that fascinating? It's always a Jew. You ever notice it's always a Jew? And in this case, it's actually Rod Rosenstein's sister. So, yes, now Politico, which is probably one of the most rabidly leftist garbage rags you're going to read. It's it's hard to even read these guys. They're just plain idiotic and stupid. These are like 19 or no, these are like 2004, 2005 trolls given a job to be a writer. And they put here is that... This is, I'll read it here. One key piece of evidence fueling their theory, an official from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention making public statements on the outbreak is the sister of Rod Rosenstein, the former deputy general, deputy attorney general who oversaw the Mueller probe and according to a disputed report once discussed removing Trump from office. Well, Dr. Nancy the Jewish Messonnier, they don't put the Jewish, but they should put that in there. Head of the CDC's National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Diseases. Like, yeah, we believe she's got any brains. Who got a shout out from her brother. That makes me feel so confident. These guys are obviously distraught, deranged people from what it appears to be. Uh, anyways, uh, obviously, because she's a Jew, the Jewish media gave this a lot of attention and, of course, she's out there calling for further action. And all of this is basically to do what? To try to get everybody to panic. And quite frankly, I think it's an overdrive, all of this panic. It seems almost insane uh, when you read some of the news reports out there. But, uh, again, there's a lot of fear out there, needless to say. Another funny thing about political, get this, this is how stupid these people are. They're, they're really stupid. It says here, Trump who rose to political prominence, 
prominence by promoting. There's a lot of P's in that one, right? Political prominence by promoting. The false idea that Barack Obama was not born in the United States has aired suspicions that mainstream media outlets are sensationalizing the virus and contributing to a plunging stock market. Well, it's not like, you know, it's like, how stupid? First of all, Politico, the writer here, has no proof. He has absolutely zero proof that that Barack Obama was born in the United States. So again, until you can provide us proof of something, uh, we can go ahead and we've got plenty of sub-circumstantial evidence and perhaps even actual evidence that says Obama was not a U.S. citizen. But, you know, these these leftist nutcase newspapers, and I don't know who's funding Politico, they just like to basically open their mouth, insert foot, and ram it down as deep down as they can because they're just complete morons. Again, Politico, you don't have. It's like, where's your proof, dude, that Obama was actually born in the U.S.? You ain't got it, dude. Anyways, uh, Limbaugh's jumped on the bandwagon. World Health Organization is jumping on. And again, nobody can trust the Chinese, quite frankly. I really agree. You probably cannot trust the Chinese. Uh, there's so many different rumors and reports out there. Who knows what is and isn't true? Because uh, I don't know, quite frankly. All I know is what I see on the ground and experience in my daily life. And that is that this thing is seriously having an effect on international commerce. Again, I've got people still not working that I've been buying from in the past or wanted to buy from in the future. I've got trade shows now being canceled. I've got personal emails that are stating from major, major U.S. companies that international travel uh, for trade shows is now being completely eliminated for the foreseeable future. That means no visiting any foreign country anywhere. So they cannot do any business but by phone and in and, and an industry or many industries where you rely on human contact and human relations and personal relations. Uh, that's going to obviously cut down on the ability of people to get out and about if these types of things are actually in the corporate pipeline. And what it really points at the end of the day, though, is the failures of Jewish globalism. Uh, we are seeing the Achilles heel of Jewish globalism when it comes to economy by outsourcing everything to a single entity like China. And then if something happens, your entire supply chain gets shut down. Uh, you have a world of problems out there. And it, it really drives the point to bring manufacturing home, start making things in your own countries again. Because Jewish globalism is a failed experiment, and it is now playing for everybody's food. You bet you everybody the iLive, intelligent media, politically aware. It's prime time, of course. Back with more right after this. Okay, everybody, welcome back. It's the Fetch inside the iLive, intelligent Actually, it's inside the LA prime time. It's not our Saturday flagship show. Uh, at least not yet. Wait till Saturday. We're, we're bound to have one, especially now. I'm not traveling. I was actually expected to be in Germany, everybody, like next week, and I didn't know what I was going to do yet as far as the show goes, but uh, I was expected to be there. I just am not going to be going now. Obviously, that show has been canceled. Uh, that's just the way it goes. It's okay, actually. I kind of don't mind. I, I didn't really feel like traveling anyways. Uh, but nonetheless, this corona thing, it is what it is. So I think we'll leave it for now. Move on. 
Excuse me. It's listener-sponsored and supported radio. It does rely upon your donations to help keep the network alive, up, and running. I don't know who it is behind the scenes that's managing the studio, but they've actually started over the last four or five shows to do a very good job. We're actually getting to hear what is happening. It's not perfectly ideal, but it's certainly better than it was, man. So anyways, that's a great that's a great thing. So again, the studio is back to trying to help. I think you've had like three, four shows now we've gotten through without too many difficulties. So that's a good thing. So support the network, everybody. They are doing their best after this uh, changeover from the new system. Again, so we don't, anyways, it is, again, it is just support the network. Leave it at that. Uh, let's see, what else? I can't pull this story up because, let me, if I, I got to download Brave. I need to get Brave. The problem here, guys, is it's, uh, uh, internet sensors. <laughs> That's the problem. You have a lot of censorship going on out there in the world. So anyways, I can't pull up that story. Looks really good. Anyways, uh, the ITIL Cat Report, it's proudly sponsored by the Graham Hart Show with Bryzer. Again, you can hear the Graham Hart Show with Bryzer every Monday from 5 o'clock p.m. to 7 o'clock p.m. over at grism.blogspot.com. That's the live show. Over there, you'll get all the links to the chat room, listen live links. I'm not sure they take phone calls. I don't think so. But nonetheless, you can listen live. They usually have some pretty engaging guests. And so give that show a listen, everybody. It comes highly recommended from yours truly. And they also sponsor the ITIL Cat Report. And the ITIL Cat Report for today is what I want to talk about, really. You know, the kittens are, I don't know, getting close to what? They were born July-ish, something like that. So what is it now, seven months, something like that? And so they are now doing pretty darn well. No, they were born in August after they arrived. August? I don't know when they were born. I think they were born in August. Yeah, I think they were, gosh, I don't even remember. Um, actually, I don't remember. The kittens were taken over. Uh, I think they were born, gosh, I don't remember. I honestly, I don't remember. I think they were born maybe in September after I left. No, I don't remember. I honestly, I don't remember. I'll have to ask Emily. I don't remember. Anyways, kittens were born sometime over last summer uh, while in the Philippines, by the way. She got pregnant while she was in the Philippines. So I know that was that went down. And uh, they're just cute as ever. They are becoming quite adorable. I don't know if you've ever had cats in your house, but, you know, we're big cat people. Unfortunately, I got seven or eight now. Uh, Ming Ming looks like she might be pregnant, and that's going to not be good. But Emily swears she's going to buy and sell, as she likes to say in her butchered-up English. She's going to buy and sell those cats, the kittens, because they're going to be probably worth some money because uh, that just the way that uh, Ming Ming, being such a beautiful tabby cat, we'll see how these kittens start coming out. If they come out as tabbies, they'll be worth some money, actually. Maybe 100 bucks a piece, believe it or not over in that culture. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, that's happening. Spikers is doing fine. And the kittens now are sleeping with Emily. Now, what I don't like about this, what she tells me is that right around 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., Ming Kai, that's the name of the cat, Ming Kai, basically wakes her up, literally wakes her up by using her, his paw, and he gently caresses her face and wakes her up. But like, okay, it's time for you to wake up now, go to the bathroom, then you can come back upstairs and go to bed. So basically every day, 
between 1 to 3 a.m., Minkai is literally patting, caressing Emily's face and waking her up. And she says, you know, what do I do? It's so cute. You know, I wake up and there's these big eyes just staring at me. And it is kind of cute, actually. They're, they're, they're a handful. They're kind of expensive. They're running me like 50, 60 bucks a month right now. I don't know how to, I got to cut my expenses down. But anyways, it is what it is, guys. We support the cats and, you know, let the cat gods shine down on us type of stuff. And that is the Ito Cat Report. Again, probably sponsored by the Graham Hart Show with Bryzer. Again, catch it every Monday from 5 o'clock to 8, no, 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern. On the uh, grism.blogspot.com is where you would catch that. So just check that out. And now time for the ITEL. Oi, vey. Oi, Gavalt. It's like another shower. Oi, vey. Oi, vey. Oi, vey, everybody. How do you run by you? They don't like you. Very goddamn angry at some of the Jews. I thrive on boy in tears. Oy vey! Oy vey, everybody! The Oy vey moment is proudly sponsored by Andrew Carrington Hitchcock, author of The Synagogue of Satan, updated, expanded, and uncensored. The Synagogue of Satan, updated, expanded, and uncensored, features a rapturous 144,000 words that is replete with additional articles never before seen in print. And after having its distribution banned by Amazon and Lulu, the Synagogue of Satan, updated, expanded, and uncensored, is now available from Andy himself at andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com. Get your copy today, won't you? Of course... Don't forget to listen to Andy's The Andrew Carrington Hitchcock Show, which streams Monday through Friday at 10 o'clock a.m. to 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern on Eurofolk Radio at eurofolkradio.com. To listen, simply visit eurofolkradio.com during showtime and click on the Listen Live link or visit andrewcarringtonhitchcock.com for Andy's free show archives, which comprises one of the most extensive guest lists in the alternative media. And this week's Oive moment, not exactly sure where I wanted to go to Belgium, but all these stories are coming out of Israel. And Israel, for the most part, is blocked. Not everything, but a lot of stuff is blocked here um, in Saudi Arabia. You just can't get Israeli uh, websites very often. Uh, it was rumored, by the way, that uh, some Israeli rabbi actually flew in and met with King Salman had dinner with him, something like that. That was out there on the plate. That'll get people, that'll get people riled up out there for sure. I'm sure about it, but uh, I heard that actually went down. I'm not, I can't confirm it, but I heard about it. Uh, let's see here. Couple things. Let's first go to, let's see. I don't think I want to do that. This is a bad story. Let me go to Los Angeles. How about that? Here's one of the things about Jewish power projection. And, and and I have a comment to say, I'm going to do it over the air here, over the stream. Uh, there's been rumors about people upset with me talking about Jews so much. And I know, gasp, right? Gasp. I can just hear the sighs. Oh, really? Oh, you're talking about Jews too much. I've heard about that. 
and you know I've heard about rumors about you know me talking about Jews too much I'm over the top and I don't believe so quite frankly I think uh, in a sea of garbage out there and there's a lot of crap that's that's out there all over the place from YouTube to all the various websites this is the only show or one of the very few shows and it's probably one of the few uh, that really deals with a serious issue of our day, and that is literally the relationship between Jewish power and the non-Jewish world. I think this is a topic that absolutely must be addressed by the non-Jewish world. It's being addressed all the time by the Jewish world, and it is not fair, quite frankly, for those who are sitting on the sidelines in this battle to criticize those who are taking a leading position and raising the issue about the relationship between Jewish people and the non-Jewish world. Listen, we live in a, a country, let's say that we as Americans, we grew up with an idea that you can speak your mind. We did not grow up in a world where we had this militant LGBT agenda, which is purely Jewish, everybody being rammed down our throats, sucking money from us left and right every time they get a little slighted about something. This never happened before. We're in a whole new era now. I just read an article about the Federal Reserve Board, and it said the Federal Reserve Board is finally becoming more diverse. Do you realize that Western people on the United States Federal Reserve Board, Europeans are probably less than 40% of that board now and maybe as low as 30%. And then they, Jewish, Jewish magazines, everybody, and Jewish press organs are saying, oi, they, the Federal Reserve is finally starting to mirror the ethnicity of the country that it serves. Well, how about all this time when we had so many Jews running it? Now, all of a sudden, now that whites are like less than 30% or below 40% representation across the entire management structure of the Federal Reserve Board, now it's supposed to be its diversity is great. In, in other words, we are being underrepresented by a very serious degree on the Federal Reserve Board. You've got women. Okay, fine. But it's not women who are white. It's women of color, women of... of Again, you have all these various diverse people that had nothing to do with building the nation, nothing to do with actually making America great, that it was and liked and people liked to come to. All that's gone. And they're bragging about, oh, it's finally represent. These are serious issues, guys, because we are talking about a demographic replacement that isn't just planned. It's pure evil. You know, it's evil. How many times have we in the Western world, we're born like long after World War II, we're being charged with being anti-Semites and Nazis. For what? Again, for what? We're supposed to stand back and allow these punks to just simply libel us left and right and slander us and do whatever they want to us just because there are people out there who are too afraid to actually talk about the relationship between the Jewish community and the non-Jewish world? Again, this is complete dis unethical and dishonest behavior out there. Don't criticize what I'm doing. Look at yourself. You know what? I don't care, quite frankly, if people are miffed by my, the way I deal with this show. Seriously, I don't care. In some ways, hey, 
I, I just don't care. I don't even care. I really, I don't care because I'm right. And if you're right, you have to speak up. And yeah, I know for many, many people out there, hey, this is an uncomfortable subject. But you have to ask yourself, why is it uncomfortable? What do you make? Why is it so uncomfortable for you? Why is it uncomfortable? That's a serious answer, a question there. Because once you understand why it's uncomfortable, you're going to find out you're the one that's been hoodwinked. You're the one that's been guilted. You're the one that's living under oppression. That's why you feel uncomfortable. And the issue here, again, is power and power projection. Who gets to lead what and who gets to rule over what and who gets to decide the fate for their own countries. It goes from the national level and it goes down to the community level. We've all heard about now, because it's being rammed down everybody's throat, this international definition of anti-Semitism. It says that the non-Jew must allow for Jews to have their own country that they can rule over independent of everybody else in this world, which means they get their own little kingdom. Nowhere does it say that you get to rule your own country free of Jews. Why is that? So they get their own little kingdom and they get to rule over your little kingdom too. And you're basically supposed to be a little child that's too stupid enough to govern yourselves. How is that proper and how is that right for you? And yet some people out there are going to complain, oh, he talks about Jews too much. You know what? It's a small, come on, man. I happen to be effective at it, but compared to all the crap that's out there from mainstream media all the way down to the alternative media, man, I'm just a little speck of dust out there. I'm a speck of dust, and I just happen to be reasonably good at what I do. So please, if you want to complain, it's okay. Complain. It's your right. See, I'm not Jewish. It's your right. I may raise an issue with it because I find it counterproductive. But guess what? I'm not a Jew, man. I'm not going to try to ban you. I'm not going to try to destroy you. I'm not going to go out of my way because I understand within our culture, there's an understanding here and there's a misunderstanding. We can work things out. But when you're talking about Jews, you can't do that. They want to destroy you, man. How is it that my raising these issues about this every week is somehow the problem? Seriously, how am I the problem? Now, here's the key point. You, the people, Americans, British, French, not too many French, but Russians. I have some Russian listeners now. Uh, Germans, Swedish. These are Canadians, of course. Sorry, you guys up in Canada. Your country's really messed up. You know that already. Uh, but you have a right to control your own destiny, certainly at the local level. And we've always said, you know, you should be working at the local level. Well, if Jews tell you that we get to have our own little fiefdom and you have to shut up and just pay us, by the way, keep, keep sending money to Israel. Uh, but you know, you can, you know, denying us this right is anti-Semitic. Well, how stupid is that? Who came up with that stupidity? Because it's stupid. And those who push it are idiots. Those who push it are tyrants. They're thought terrorists. They're intellectual terrorists. Well, now we have a case over in Los Angeles. And it says here, charter school supporters in Los Angeles are targeting a Jewish school board member with attack mailers that some critics have called anti-Semitic. Again, see the bullshit Jews put out day in and day freaking out? You know what? If you don't like the Jew, you have a right to not like the Jew, okay? And if the Jew's an idiot and working on the school board for whatever reason, they should be kicked out. 
And as soon as you try to kick them out, they want to whine like a bunch of rabid animal dogs about anti-Semitism. And they want to hide behind this because they don't want to take responsibility for the fact that they're complete moronic jackasses. And they deserve often to be kicked out. Now, in this case, is stories coming out of the Jewish Telegraph Agency. Yeah, that's an important piece of crap. The mailers portray Scott Schmerelson, well, with that name, hey, as greedy, corrupt, and determined to score fast cash by exposing children to deadly vaping and McDonald's french fries. Okay, Schmerson owns stock in Altria, the tobacco company that bought 35% of a company called Jewel. And I got someone knocking at my door. And owns stock in McDonald's, according to the report. Hold on one second, guys. I got someone at my door. Okay, sorry, that's entertaining radio. I know they disappeared just as fast as they knocked. Probably got the wrong door. Anyways, so anyways, here's this. One mailer shows Schmerelson wearing a gold chain with a dollar sign hanging from it and holding a fistful of cash. Now, let me ask you something. That's the caricature. Now, how did Jews turn that caricature into being, quote-unquote, anti-Semitic? See what I mean? How did they turn a caricature of an individual into an uh, uh, this broad concept called anti-Semitic. How did they do that? Seriously, how did they do that? And Jews want to say, well, you can't lump us all together. Well, this is an individual person who's being attacked because he bought a tobacco company. He's trying to push drugs basically on kids. He owns stocks in McDonald's. He's trying to push McDonald's on everybody. It's something that a Jew would do. We all know that. And, and now you're trying to turn this into an anti-Semitic incident. Now, the United Teachers Union, L.A., United Teachers Los Angeles Union is putting money and effort behind Schmerelson, who opposes charter schools. Its president, Alex Caputo Pearl, sounds like a mafia guy, told the Times that the ads are an attempt to eviscerate Scott, a lifelong educator and champion of our public schools. Again, he's a minority. He's not our champion. He is not a champion of the non-Jewish world. He's a champion of Jewish bullshit crap. I, I try to be polite there. Again, and then they call it anti-Semitic just says this guy's got to go. Once again, the second these guys rely on this argument, they should be railroaded out of business mercilessly. The same way that Jews mercilessly route everybody else. Meanwhile, it says a California Charter School Association advocate spokesman suggested to the Times <laughs> that the other side has used anti-Semitic stereotypes themselves, saying it has depicted charter backers as greedy corporate billionaires and called the supporters American Jewish philanthropists. So again, this is basically a Jew-on-Jew Jew spat, but they're trying to paint it in such a way that we non-Jews are supposed to pay attention to it. It's offensive. It is time these people just are not allowed to be in these positions of power. Obviously, they're too sensitive. They're too much fruitcakes to be able to handle this type of job. Moving over to the UK, there's a Baroness, Baroness Tongi. I don't know if she's even British. I somehow doubt it. She kind of looks British. Uh, it says here, the disgraced peer, Jenny Tongi. She's a woman, obviously. 
has made yet another anti-Semitic statement describing Israel as America's puppet master in a remark in the House of Lords. This comment coming from the campaign against anti-Semitism. Well, first of all, to the campaign against anti-Semitism, it's not your business to tell us Americans how we view the people of Israel. We Americans view Israel as our puppet master. So therefore, Jenny isn't saying anything that we Americans who are very aware of the situation in America don't already know about. So what really is a disgrace about this is the fact (coughs) that the campaign against anti-Semitism can try to smear somebody simply for telling the truth. Israel is America's puppet master. They have been for probably the past hundred years. Now, according to the international, you see, oh, the, this, non, this international definition, it's non-binding. It's non-binding. And then they come out, according to the international definition of anti-Semitism, making mendation, dehumanizing, dehumanizing, demonizing, or stereotypical allegation about Jews as such as the power of Jews as collective, such as especially but not exclusively the myth about a world Jewish conspiracy or of Jews controlling the media economy, blah, blah, blah. Dude, shut the frick up. That definition, who wrote that? That's written by a bunch of clueless morons. It has no bearing on us. This is just something that you Jews passed. We haven't accepted it. You get your people in political power, but it has no bearing on us. Dude, you idiots over at CAA, guess what? (laughs) Israel is our puppet master. You got a problem with that, dude? You're going to tell us Americans we can't make that statement? Are you running us Americans too? I'm just curious if Campaign Against Anti-Semitism wants to pop off here. Because quite frankly, they're idiots. Dude, though all you clowns over at CAA, get this clear. Israel is America's puppet master. Netanyahu brags about running the American government. Jews brag about running the American government. This isn't a conspiracy, you freaking moron. It's just plain open, plain as day stuff. And no matter how much you Jews want to pretend that you can hide it, you ain't going to hide crap. Again, we cannot cover for your idiocy forever. In fact, we should throw your idiocy out and put you back in Israel. Baroness Tunga, who was suspended, see, again, form of uh, what? Vote rigging, government engineering by kicking people out. So it says here, Baroness Tunga, who was suspended from the Liberal Democrats before eventually resigning, has a long history of Jew baiting. How is that Jew baiting? Again, the language that Jews use, guys, is offensive, arrogant, chutzpah filled, and quite frankly, it's bigoted. I don't even know if we can use that. It's just, it is meant to design to basically want to punch people in the face because they're lying straight to your face. This is gaslighting. Again, this is the mark of a psychopathic community. This is gaslighting. She goes, they go on to say as uh, <laughs> Jew baiting. What a stupid freaking thing. You Jews are stupid. Seriously, to those of you criticizing me, again, this is public written crap. You're going to criticize me for having to read this crap? Jew baiting. What, a, what type of jackass writes stuff like that? Seriously. What complete morons. Jeez. Um, goes on to say, oh, you want to bring up the Pittsburgh synagogue that nobody believes even happened. Blaming Israel for a rise in appetite. Well, you know what? What do you want to blame? The Chinese, you, you freaking morons. It is Israel. You get anti-Semitism, okay? It's a disease. You get it from Jews, okay? I think people are complaining about my radio show, guys. Let me go find out. Hold on. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Indeed, we've had some complaints about the radio show today from locals here in the area. It's funny, too, how many times I have had to listen to so much noise in this hotel, and they're complaining about me talking on the telephone, basically. Uh, it's like, okay, go to your bedroom. I'm way in the front of the house, dudes. Anyway, so we're just going to have to try to keep it a little bit lower just to try to keep peace in the area. Uh, the best we can, but obviously if they're complaining too much, it's like I told them, I said, hey, I'm on the phone basically, so leave me alone. I got a phone call for two hours to take care of. So they said, I'm sorry, Mr. Dennis, we're so sorry. I know you're not a problem. So of course I'm not a problem. I don't like this, this way at this hotel. Anyways, what can I say? I'm thinking of taking a private, what they call a straw next time I come here. And then I can scream as loud as I want and nobody here will hear me because I'm halfway in the desert. Uh, anyways, where were we? Um, it's Fetch inside the iLive Primetime. Again, it's Thursday, February the 27th, 2020. You can uh, catch me inside the chat room. I'm kind of there, kind of not there. Uh, let's see. I'm going to pop on over there real quick to see what's happening over there. Uh, quiet day. It's quite kind of quiet. Only about 13 people there. And again, I see Mer Bailey. And who else is there? Not a whole lot, but maybe because of the way I've got it set up. Hold on a second. Uh, let's see. Yeah, that's about it. Okay, but Bailey, I see, is Windmiller. Uh, BB, hello. You're there. Uh, all right. Welcome, everybody, again to the chat room. Telephone lines one three two three two seven five one three one four. That's one three two three two seven five one three one four. Uh, let's see if I got this story somewhere. We want to talk a little bit about the geopolitics, some very serious developments here in the Middle East. And I don't see it. Let me pull this story up a little bit better. Uh, but it just happened about three hours ago, and there was an airstrike uh, in the Idlib area, and an airstrike took out 22 uh, soldiers. And that's actually a huge... Uh, a huge escalation in what is happening here. Uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, things coming out of IBT. I'm not sure exactly where that is. It's, uh, many different news articles are now carrying it. At least 22 Turkish soldiers were killed in the northwestern Syrian province of Idlib after an airstrike today blamed on Damascus as violence is said escalating. Uh, several soldiers were also injured, taken back to Turkey for treatment. And the heavy losses are is coming weeks after growing tensions, of course. Now, also, you have, we had reported about, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, maybe last week, the M5 highway, which links Damascus to Aleppo and runs through Idlib, had been reopened. And just yesterday, one of the main high, one of the main towns uh, along that highway has been recaptured by the rebel forces backed by Turkey. You know, what's interesting about Turkey and all of this affair is that uh, you listen to Erdogan, who is the president of, or prime minister, I think president of Turkey, and the way he talks is it's really chutzpah on steroids equally. You figure this guy has got his troops inside of Turkey, inside of Syria. He's dictating to the Syrian government where they can and they cannot go. He is telling the Syrians if they don't pull back from certain lines that he's going to push back and start fighting the Syrians directly. And it's like, dude, it's not your country. Uh, 
what are you doing there? Why are you continuing to support terrorists in the region? Why don't you kind of like go back to your border, seal it, and let the Syrians take care of the issues inside of their own country, just like you're allowed to do inside of Turkey? Nobody's bombing you right now. Nobody's harassing you. Nobody's taking away your highways. Nobody's shooting at your soldiers in Turkey. Uh, you got free reign to run your, your crappy little country. You know, last Saturday, if you didn't hear Saturday's show, we were saying nobody likes Turkey because nobody likes Turkey. Uh, just people don't like Turkey. It's like, it's almost like the Jewish Muslim country. You know, it's a strange thing, man. It's, it, but nobody likes them. They just don't like them at all. And so now when you look at what's going on, I cannot believe the Russians are going to back down in this. I think what Russia wants to see, uh, is Turkey out. What they want to see Syria regain control of its entire country that includes its oil fields which the americans are so graciously guarding right now and essentially start rebuilding their country so they can contribute to the world economy and that means buying from uh, russia you know supporting russian business things of that nature and so and i think out of principle i don't think putin president putin is going to back down here i think turkey is wrong the Americans are wrong for being there. All these foreign powers that are inside of Syria are wrong. And I think out of principle only, and that doesn't mean that will extend to Iraq or anywhere else, but when it comes to Syria, I quite honestly believe out of principle, Putin's not going to back down. So we're literally starting to stare a little bit at a direct war. And in some ways, we do have a direct war that's just very low level right now. It's kind of yellow. It's not hot. And that is between the Turks and the Syrians. Uh, you basically, of course, this has been going on since 2011. It's not like this is new. So, but it's now getting hotter because Turkey has lost pretty much everything. And just like the Saudis who finally cut their losses and have gotten out for the most part, the Syrians and the Turks are still at each other's throats. You know, if you're familiar with Erdogan, he's been trying to recreate his Ottoman Empire. He, you know, he's one of these other eschatological nutcases that believes that basically he's there. His, his whole role in history is to recreate the Ottoman Empire. And of course, that extended all the way down into Jordan. I'm not sure how that fits with Israeli plans because the nutcases running Israel think that they're supposed to take everything from the Sinai to the, uh, Euphrates, you know, so they're supposed to take what Ottoman, what Erdogan wants. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But that is heating up everybody. So again, just today, 22 Turkish soldiers were killed in a, uh, what do you say, in a uh, air raid today. So we'll see what happens. I know both countries, Syria and, and uh, Turkey, are putting more and more troops into this area. And again, it's Syria. It's their country. You know, here's, an, here's a novel idea I was thinking about. <clears throat> And, and it's kind of what we need. And I kind of get, took the idea from Google. You know, when you look at a Google news feed and you go through the Google news feed, what you do is you can basically say hide stories from this particular entity when you're using your mobile phone. So let's say I'm going through and I see a, something from some independent media like Politico and it's just you know, the, just again, it's, remember how it works nowadays, guys. We're in a soundbite world. So whenever we go through uh, our telephones, for instance, just scrolling through for stories, we're reading headlines. And the headlines are designed 
to hit you a certain way, to have a certain effect upon you, to have you react in a certain way. Well, if I see a, a plethora of these headlines and they're completely completely annoying, just stupid, uh, I want to block them. And Google allows me to block them in my mobile device. I can actually do that in the mobile device. But when I use my desktop browser and I do a web search, now here's where I think this thing should happen, is a web search. So let's say right now, just to give you an idea, I plug in here, uh, Turkey, uh, let's just say, let me just say anti-Semitism, plug, plug that in, so anti-Semitism. And then what pops up here, it's like uh, uh, anti-Semitism, history and facts from a Okay, anti-Semitism, the Holocaust Encyclopedia. Well, why shouldn't I be able to block this? In other words, we should have in our browsers the ability to block what we see on the front page. I don't know if that's actually doable. I would think so in an extension. But essentially what I would like to see is, for instance, like let's say we're doing a – I don't know why. Okay, th this next segment, everybody, is about basically common sense browsing on your cell phone. How's that? That's, that's, I'm just going to kind of break off from the intense stuff and talk about some just common sense stuff. So we're working with our cell phone. We're browsing through it. This, you know, using our thumbs and things are flying through, right? But let's say I have like Samsung. <clears throat> I'm using a Samsung phone for myself. Okay. I go through, I'm using Samsung's flip news feed. Well, I'm going through the news feed, right? And it's like every other article is the New York Times. And then when you click on the New York Times, they immediately go to a pop-up that says subscribe or else you can't read the news article. Well, after about – you know what? Why can't you just let me block the New York Times? Think about it. And I want that it, not just on my mobile phone, but I want that on my desktop. In other words, we need to go to the realm now to where if – the search engines want to block us from appearing in the searches. We need to reverse the trend and say, look, we should have the right to block what you feed us. We will control what we see. And if you're sending me to the New York Times 27 times a day on all my searches, I want to block the New York Times. I'm not interested in the New York Times. They don't let me read the articles anyway, so who cares? And I'm certainly not going to pay them $29 a year to go see what the New York Times, the crap they're writing. I'm not going to pay $29, years, $29 a year just to get insulted by the New York Times. Why would I do that? In other words, a common sense approach to moving forward, and that's for anybody that's really smart and techie out there, uh, how do we make an extension that allows us to filter out what the search engines are filtering out for us. In other words, let's take back search. So in this case, I've got uh, anti-Semitism, USHMM.org. <sighs> Who cares about them? Block them. I don't need to see them. Uh, let's see. Uh, ADL.org. Block them. I don't need them to show up on my front page. If I need the ADL, I'll go look for them. Uh, definition by the free press. Do block this stuff. All this crap, just block it, block it, block it till we start to get search engines or search results that actually match what we want to see. And this should fit for everything. I think it's just a brilliant idea, quite frankly, when it comes to search. It's time to filter the search engines that the search engines are filtering for us. 
and they allow us, like Google actually does allow this on their news feed, and it's a kind of a neat little feature. Uh, Samsung does not. It's kind of stupid. I mean, why you? It's like you guys are idiots, man. New York Times, New York Times, New York Times. Come on, dudes. It's just stupid. Uh, let's see. Another thing is about ruling yourself, guys. Ruling yourself. You know, having the ability to literally be able to control your own destiny, independent of Jewish uh, involvement. And for me, that's not such. It's not. It's it's not like out of the realm of, you know, as far what's what could I say? It's not out of the realm of uh, uh, improbability. Quite frankly, if it's not improbable or irrationality, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that Jews and we do not get along. <coughs> and I know some of you get along fine with Jews, but I'm not into working with people who believe it's their right to destroy somebody just because they don't like what you said. Okay, that's not my type of culture. I'm not into this sadistic behavior. Uh, I don't think it should be uh, celebrated, you know, religiously that you're you're worshiping, killing off the firstborn of every child every year, and you find that to be holy. Uh, I find that, quite frankly, psychopathic evil. I don't find that religious. I think you, I, that's a psychopathic culture. Oh, oh, great. Let's kill the firstborn of everybody today. Uh, sick. Uh, sick, 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 sick. Uh, how about uh, Purim, where we're celebrating basically dishonesty, deception, treason towards a host nation? That's not benefiting us. That That's, again, psychopathic behavior. And if you have a problem with calling out psychopaths, well, then the problem isn't me. The problem really is you. Uh, you should not be so easy to accept to accept psychopath psychopaths among you. It just you should really start to get a backbone. But when we talk about um, having the ability to rule yourself independent of Jewish influence, we can simply go to Austria. You know, and one of the issues that we have right now, as a general rule, is that all, literally all except for maybe Orban in Hungary. But virtually then, we could say virtually all of the nationalist populist leaders right now are rabidly pro-Israel, rabidly pro-Israel. And one of those nationalist parliaments right now is Austria. And they have just today passed an anti-BDS resolution in a unanimous vote. Well, okay, if you're passing an anti-BDS resolution in a unanimous vote, what does that tell you? It tells you Austrians don't run the country. It tells you lobby runs Austria. And it tells you that the Israeli lobby then is controlling the nationalist populist message inside of it does point to a conspiracy. No matter how much the campaign against anti-Semitism wants to call in some stupid, idiotic formula that says, "Oh, you can't do this." Well, no, yes, you can. We don't care about your thing. You didn't. You didn't ask us, and we don't agree to it. Whoever wrote it's stupid when it comes to your definition of anti-Semitism. So again, what happened here is that. This BDS resolution in Austria condemns the BDS movement. Oh, isn't that nice? That's not pro-Jewish. As quote-unquote anti-Semitic. Oh, BS. And calls on the Austrian federal government to withhold federal funds 
from and avoid cooperation with organizations tied to the BDS movement. Well, again, shouldn't the Austrians have a right to say what they want without pro-Jewish idiocy telling them that they can't do it? This, again, is another issue of Jewish, non-Jewish relations. There are people of conscience out there. Israel is a shithole. It's a piece of garbage country filled with piece of garbage people. They aren't even humans in some case. They're sadists. They're psychopaths. They're not even rational. They actually believe in the Holocaust, for Christ's sakes. What do you need to do for these people? They're idiots. Okay? They believe that, oh, you're out to get them, so therefore they should have the right to get you before they get them. Okay, well, how do you, okay, they're out to get you, man. They've, that's their philosophy. You guys are gonna, you guys are gonna get us, so never again we're gonna get you first. Okay, so then you gotta defend yourself. But you know, in cases where you have your numbers and you have strength and you wanna politely say no to the Jewish people, no to the state of Israel, the state of Israel says, well, this isn't acceptable. We're going to control your government. We're going to tell you that you can't follow your conscience. How do, how do you think people should feel about that? My opinion is very simple. If you're going to call BDS anti-Semitism, then we have to say that the problem, if we're going to fight anti-Semitism, since this is a reaction to Jewish behavior, we must continue to fight even stronger against Jewish organization. Because it's only going to be anti-Semitic if Jews have the ability to call it that. If they're not around to call it, and they're all sitting in Israel feeding off each other, gnashing away at everybody's soft underbellies or whatever they want to do in Israel, that's fine. But don't tell us how to follow our convictions. It's not your Jew. It's not for you Jews to tell us that. What you think if we tell you to stop doing Passover because it it targets basically a celebration of killing all of us? That somehow you're supposed to stop. You do we really believe you Jews are going to stop? Of course we don't believe you're going to stop. You love to you love to go to your little Passover and and oh how special you are that oh the goyim were oppressing you and you got to kill off all the firstborn and oh vey this is such a a beautiful celebration of our G. No, you're sick, man. Okay, are you going to stop that because it's anti-Gentile? Of course not. So don't tell people. Again, Jews, the problem with Jews right now is they want to continually tell you how to even have your own moral convictions. These people, are they're whacked. These guys will shoot the, the feet off of children uh, who are playing soccer in some dirty, rubble-strewn field, and then they're going to call you an anti-Semite for observing that. Dude, you just shot that kid in the foot. What a freaking, what a complete evil son of ass you are. And they're going to, oh, that's anti-Semitic. You're not allowed to criticize us Jews. And, and we're saying, no, enough's enough. These people are garbage people. Call it out for what it is. It says here, quoting here, just now sharply condemned BDS movement uh, in the Austrian parliament unanimously. Well, that tells you that Jews run the damn thing, you morons, and stated that BDS in Austria should not be supported in any way. A strong and symbolic statement by the Austrian parliament against anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. Again, it just tells you, oh, and the person saying this is Martin Edelberg. Yeah, he sounds Chinese. Again. This, these people are insane. They basically rub it in your face every day that they control everything. 
If you have a conviction, follow it. Tell Jews to just stuff it. Seriously. Quietly go your way. Tell them to stuff it. Ah, insane people. Seriously, these people are insane. Now, what else is news? We covered the corona pretty well. Uh, I'll wait that story till Saturday. Got a big story Saturday for all you people that follow the Saturday show. Um, what else? What else? Okay. Chat room, by the way, everybody. If you want to join us in the chat room, again, inside the iLive.com, click on the live chat button. And I saw somewhere some strange story about intimidation, you know, something to the effect that I, I don't know where to find. Yeah, here it is. I, I don't know if this is an extension of a story we did the other week, but can you imagine? No. Yeah, $75,000, $100,000. Yeah, we did talk about this. But I, I just kind of raise it again. Can you imagine being fined? $100,000 uh, basically because of quote-unquote impartiality that Jews will never in their freaking day try to do. I mean, Jews are impartial. Uh, they're basically partial every day, and they never get sanctioned. I mean, all these precedents against Jews are just going. How about the old thing here about President Trump? I kind of like this one. Uh, Trump, his campaign is suing the New York Times over the real Trump-Russia quid pro quo op-ed. And Trump's presidential election campaign, it says, is suing the New York Times for libel over a 2019 op-ed by former Times executive director Max Frankel. Does that sound like a Chinese guy to you, or is that just another Jew getting in the way? Uh, the lawsuit, published on the Trump campaign website, alleges that the Times knowingly published false and defamatory statements when the op-ed said Trump had an overarching deal with Putin. A Times spokesperson told iMedia Ethics, the Trump campaign has turned to the courts to try to punish an opinion writer for having an opinion. And here's the thing. It's not an opinion. They're using the guise of an opinion to try to frame up and create an anti-Trump hysteria in the media. And as they are trying to rig the vote by turning to basically yellow journalism to sway voters and the next time, you know, basically for next time that people go out and vote. The op-ed said in part, get this, there is no need for detailed electoral collusion between the Trump campaign and Vladimir Putin's oligarchy because they had an overarching deal. That's, again, he's not making a claim. He's not making an opinion here. He's making a statement of fact. He's saying here the quid of help in the campaign against Hillary Clinton for the quo of a new pro-Russian foreign policy. Again, that's not an opinion. He's stating this as an absolute fact, that this actual quid pro quo between Trump and Putin actually existed. And, it's, and of course, the Times knew this. Of course they knew this. But they try to put it, as Jewish sneaky stuff likes to do, they try to put it as, quote-unquote, an op-ed, as if somehow it's the obvious isn't here. You're claiming this is to be true. They should have stopped this story and never printed it. Uh, the Times was well aware when it published dates. They were not true. According to the law, and I kind of agree with that, and I think the time should be absolutely eviscerated. It's the fetch, everybody, inside the eye line. Prime time. All right, I'm
everybody. Welcome back. Final half hour of the show here. We're having to be a little bit subdued today. Got some complaints from neighbors because I'm in a hotel and I'm like getting so angry and raising my voice. People are complaining too much. So we're going to try to do a, a quieter show here just to see if we can do it. Not sure I can. You know, it's kind of nice to get kind of angry and just kind of lash out at the microphone here. But I'll tell you, it's just the way it works. Again, part of the theme of this show, just, uh, again, there's been some, uh, you know, things fed back to me through channels, back channels, et cetera, about complaints about the show. And not so much about, I don't, you know, it's, it's hearsay. At the end of the day, I don't have any direct access to the information, just rumors in the background. Uh, people complaining that I talk too much about Jews. And uh, again, I think in a world where, we are at a pivotal point in our relationships between ourselves and the Jewish community. I believe it's actually imperative that we have much more open debate and discussion about the Jewish community. Uh, I'm not the one silencing people, but Jews are. I'm not the one calling for a restriction of American civil rights, but Jews are. Uh, I'm not the one calling for the destruction of American civil liberties, Jews are. I'm not the one calling for abolition of constitutional rights, like in the Bill of Rights, Second Amendment, First Amendment, etc. But Jews are. And this is a new phenomena. We have a lot of evidence now that the weaponized form of quote-unquote anti-Semitism that Jews used effectively to stifle debate in the UK is being brought to American shores equally. In other words, these people are working globally. Look, we've kind of got this thing fine-tuned. Let's take our techniques and our strategies to America and let's put the American people under a yoke that will not allow them to speak. And to give you an idea just how drastic the Jewish community is becoming, a man is now being charged. This came out just yesterday. A man is being charged after labor anti-Semitism probe. You're being charged, guys. You're being charged for having an opinion. How can you not tell me this isn't Bolshevik Russia in the making? Bolshevik, it's Bolshevik Russia, yeah, in the making. An ex-labor activist has been in charge with an offense under the Communications Act. Again, they're using this bogus act after a probe into alleged anti-Semitism in the party. In other words, Jews are actively doing what? Vote rigging, twisting the political process, charging political opponents, and trying to jail political opponents. There's no other way out of this. This is what's happening in the UK today. And you out there are complaining about me talking too much about Jews? Seriously? There's, I mean, come on, man. This is right in the open. Mohsen Raskul, 60, of Hollybank Road, Birmingham, is accused of sending a grossly offensive message or other matter on the 10th of February, 2018, and he's going to go before a court magistrate on the 25th of March. Now, this is the same stuff they were using against Alison Chablot, who we had featured here for quite some time here. Now, the police investigation was prompted by an internal labor document disclosed by LBC Radio. Again, spies are everywhere. The dossier detailed anti-Semitic messages on social media allegedly posted by party members. So basically, 
They're using a bogus communications act to stifle political dissent in the kingdom, in the United Kingdom. And you don't want to allow us to talk about the relationship between Jews and non-Jews. It says here, prosecutor said that for some messages, the time period for bringing charges had expired, while for other posts, it could not be proved that the suspects intended to stir up racial hatred. Well, you know what? If you are going to allow every Jew to be arrested for charging or alleging anti-Semitism, then, okay, let's start having a serious conversation here. Because anytime a Jew uses the term anti-Semitism, that person isn't that that Jew is intending to stir up hatred, racial or otherwise. Again, let's be very clear here. Every Jew who uses the term anti-Semite should be arrested on the spot for trying to stir up racial hatred. Because that Jew's not a goyim, so we'll assume it's racial hatred relative to the Jew and just charge them. Now, the Met said evidence relating to another five people from the dossier. Can you imagine? This is the language of a spying intelligence agency on British soil. And you wonder why Jews were kicked out of the country for so many hundreds of years and why the expulsion order has never been rescinded. And yet they're still here stirring up a lot of problems for the UK people. Again, uh, it all has to do with a, a, a campaign, this campaign against anti-Semitism. Again, you can't tell me that Jews don't know what's going on here. So if you're not going to talk about it, who is? Then we can go over to Paris, France. 250 European leaders. 250. Do you understand how many that is? 250 leaders are attending a conference to confront what? Anti-Semitism. And you don't want us to talk about the relationship between Jews and non-Jews? It says here, uh, some 250 participants and European leaders gathered in Paris at the European Jewish Association's annual policy conference. Okay, they have an annual policy conference on how to stifle debate. Because the use of the term anti-Semitism is purely intended to shut down political discussion. So you don't think it's fair for us to talk about the relationship of the Jew to the non-Jew at this stage? It's backed by $11 million. People are out there begging for money for a radio station for $2,000 a month. And yet these guys raise $11 million and you don't want to talk about a serious issue? I'll tell you what, who's going to talk then? While these 250 leaders gather with an $11 million budget and you're saying we're not supposed to talk about this stuff? Serious? I just don't grasp why anyone would complain about what we're doing here. Carrying on the conference, which was held just this past week, took place in the context of, quote-unquote, rising anti-Semitism throughout Europe. Well, again, you catch anti-Semitism from Jews. It's very simple. Nobody cares about Jews until Jews start to make problems for you. You don't just, hey, if your life is fine and they're not making problems for you, why would you bother with them? And guess what? I never went out to make Jews a target. Jews were, they've been targeting me for 20 years. I'm supposed to not defend myself? I'm supposed to just let it go? I don't believe so. I believe that's cowardice. I don't like just, oh, okay, Jews says that's anti-Semite. I should be quiet. No, I don't think so. Now, present at this particular conference was Rabbi Menachem Margolin, 
Okay, he's chairman of the European Jewish Association. Also Kabad. See, Kabad. You got a White House full of Kabad people. And you don't want us to talk about the relationship of Jew to non-Jew? Because people pass laws, guys, and they don't pass it on behalf of the Goyim. They pass it on behalf of the Jewish people. At this particular conference, EGA released its plan to tackle opposition to Jews, which, and that's what anti-Semitism is. Just change anti-Semitism to the words opposition to Jews. So release its plan to tackle opposition to Jews, which includes the appointment of a special envoy in every European country. They're appointing a special envoy to every single country. And people are complaining about me talking about the relationship of Jews and non-Jews. They've got envoys in every country for what? To stifle opposition to the Jewish control of our countries? <laughs> what else do you want to call this, guys? Seriously, what do you call it when you can you can use this stupid definition, which has nothing to do with us, Oh, you can't claim, they're basically everything that's true, they're putting in this and calling it anti-Semitic. Again, Jews are stupid, and you don't want us to talk about that? Yet they're invoking this, it says here, the adoption and implementation of the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism by every country. They want to implement basically what is true, call it anti-Semitic, and then you're supposed to shut up and you don't want to talk about this? Are you okay, everybody? Those of you who are complaining, I know it's a painful subject for some of you, but hey, don't you get what's going on here? You want to forever be a little serf within your own countries? Do you really want to just, you know, basically shrivel up like a little baby and say, okay, I'm so sorry, Miss? Really, is that what you become? Again, I just don't understand people who complain so much. If you're going to just accept it, okay, accept it. But they're laying the plan out in for you. It says here, if the plan is implemented in Europe, there is no doubt in my mind that the situation will, bring, will get better and better. Which means what? Jews will have more and more power. And you're not supposed to talk about it? Coles referred to anti-Semitism as a high-level security issue. Well, listen, if anti-Semitism is essentially just a code word for opposition to Jewish power, well, guess what? If they're calling it, a high-level security issue, what they're saying is they have control and power. Don't you understand how these words work, or is English a little bit too complicated for some of you? It's very simple. Don't tell me it's a high-level security issue if you don't have power, because it wouldn't be a security issue otherwise. You have to be in power to have it become a security issue. The importance, they say, of monitoring opposition to Jewish power and anti-Israel prejudice. Again, why are the people of Europe being asked to essentially praise some stupid, moronic, sadistic, jackass little country like Israel? Seriously, what's, why, what's the point in that? And why would you even raise this inside of a European country? And then the guy says, oh, quoting the Talmud, quoting the Talmud, have you read the Talmud? Have you read the despicable filth that is in the Talmud? What these garbage human beings, if you want to even call them that, basically concocted over the last six, eight hundred years? And they say here, know who you are standing in front of. This teaching originally was meant in the spiritual sense, in the context of prayer, but it is also meaningful. In the profane sense, we should always know who and what we are dealing with and what is the mindset of those who we are trying to persuade. Now, that is a statement from the Jewish 
rabbi here. And let me repeat it. We should always know who and what we are dealing with and what is the mindset of those we are trying to persuade. Well, how? Seriously, how are you going to know the mindset of the Jewish people and what we are dealing with if you don't talk about it? And that's the funny thing, because Jews understand this very, 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 very well. And that's why they want they want to shut down discussion. And that is why they have had you so so many of you programmed to where you don't even want to hear about it. Oh, I wish Fitch would stop talking about this. See, they, they, they understand you. And they, you, they don't care about because you're already a sniveling whatever. If you have this attitude, trust me, they don't care about you. They'll roll you, steam you, roll you. For, for now, they'll take out the opposition first. And we're the opposition. So, again, be very clear what's happening out there. Other, other in this case, UNESCO was there. Uh, assist, and then we're like, oh, Jews aren't working internationally. Well, what do you need UNESCO for? You had an Italian coordinator there. Uh, you had a UK coordinator there. You got 250 people there. And they're going to say, well, the idea that Jews work collectively is anti-Semitic. <laughs> Man, you gaslighting jackass moron. Seriously. Yeah, I don't even know how to call it. This is such stupid. It's, it's beyond stupid. I'm dealing with complete morons here. And people actually talk as if somehow Jews are intelligent. These guys are idiots. And people just are afraid to call them out for that fact and start dealing with what we have in front of us as a group of sadistic, gaslighting idiots. It says, quoting here, we have a shared responsibility to speak against and monitor opposition to Jews. Because if you use anti-Semitism, change it to opposition to Jews. So it says here, we have a shared responsibility to speak against and monitor opposition to Jews. Guys, anti-Semitism is not an issue if Jews don't have power. Do you understand that? It's only there because Jews have power. If they don't have power, do you really think anybody cares? And I'll give you a little thought. Walk down the street. You see the guy sitting there. Uh, homeless on the street. He has no power, right? Do you really care? No, you don't care. You're walking down the street. You see a bunch of people that really just are getting along, going along, but they're not doing anything. Do you really care about them? No, because they have no power. What do you care? So again, none of this matters if Jews did not have actual, real, exercisable power. Santry noted that opposition to Jews' discourse has become more accepted. Well, yeah. Because we're right and Jews are wrong. Again, start changing anti-Semitic to opposition to Jews. We're we're not fundamentally the same people. They will never ever admit to being Goyim. So why should you ever admit that they're part of your community equally? It's just dumb. It's common sense. Continuing here, it says here, live proudly as Jews throughout the world. But Isn't it funny? Jews don't want you to live proudly as yourself, do they? And then they wonder why there's so much opposition to Jews, which they call anti-Semitism. Why would you even use the word Semitism? That's such a stupid word. With all due respect, it's a stupid word. It has within it a really harsh-sounding tone to it. But it's just opposition to Jews at the end of the day. Uh, On the final day of this conference, it ended two days ago, Samuel Sandler, the father and grandfather of to lose terror attacks. See, again, they have all these 
what appeared to be. See, you have to be very careful how you couch your words. It appears to be fake shootings. I don't know about you. I've heard so many stories about how the rabbi that got shot in the thumb, now his thumb's grown back magically, stuff like that happening. Here's another one of those quote-unquote terror attacks that was basically a, appeared to be a made-for-TV production. Then he's delivering an emotional response. I pay 27 members of my family were gassed in the gas chambers and they never came back except for one because the smoke was pink and he was basically reincarnated. It's a real true story. Trust me. I'm, I'm from the Jewish family. Now, following his address, conference participants were encouraged to share their ideas again. Why is it Jews can bring 250 convention goers together basically to discuss how to defeat you and you're too afraid to just talk about it? It's like, oh, we finish, we stop talking about Jews. But hey, it's a, it says here, though it is a very dangerous moment in our history and perhaps we are used to the rise of opposition to Jews in Europe, we feel we're not alone. Well, okay. That's how they think. Change the word anti-Semitism to opposition to Jews and you will start to understand this is a political issue. It has nothing to do with hatred. It has nothing to do with bigotry and all the other stupid idiotic stuff Jews want to label this as. It has everything to do about politics. How do you govern your own society independent of Jewish corruption of your society? And they know they're corrupting it. They're in it for themselves, not for you. And deal with it. It's just common sense. It's You can observe it everywhere you look. In the meantime, in Germany, Angela Merkel's cabinet approves a bill which would force social media firms to report hate speech and glorification of violence to the police. Again, what's hate speech? Hate speech is everything that is in what? Opposition to Jews. So essentially, they're telling the social media companies that they have to become part of the Czech police uh, dragnet, and they're supposed to round up all of this quote-unquote uh, hatred out there on the internet, which is what? Opposition to Jews. So Jews are saying you're not allowed to have an opposition. How else would you read it from a common sense point of view? Because most of you aren't going to go out there and shoot up a bunch of Jews. That's kind of a stupid thing to do, right? But certainly you have a, a, a tendency maybe where you want to be part of the political process. But you feel you can't change it because if you have any opposition to Jews, you're railroaded out. So now you got Jews rigging the election system. And guess what? It just creates more opposition to Jews because you don't even have a say in how you're being governed. Here, the government of Germany is saying you don't even have a say in what you say. So you have a bill approved yesterday that would force social media networks to report to police investigators any cases of hate speech and post it, glorify or threaten violence. They are already required to remove the post. Now you're supposed to report it to the police first. And those who use the Internet to threaten bodily harm to others, well, you know what? I consider the term anti-Semite a threat. I, I believe that is intended as a threat to me. Every Jew who uses it should be, should be absolutely mercilessly arrested and railed up. Do you think that's going to happen? I think that's hate speech. I think it's intended to create harm against me. Because guess what? How many times have you seen the fascist, the facetia, the anti-fa, antifa, you know, 
go out there and try to hunt down Nazis. You've got actual movies, television shows, the hunters glorifying hunting down Nazis. I mean, how insane is that? Which is nothing but what? Opposition to Jews. And people are so, oh, a little bit uh, distressed because Fetch talks too much about it. But what do you want me to talk about? Uh, seriously, what do you want me to talk about? Should we talk about how uh, uh, mustard has a different color depending on uh, what type of mustard seed is used? That might make some for some fascinating radio, don't you think? Well, gee, if I just take the mustard seed that's grown in Bolivia, we get a nice, rich, ultra-brown color compared to those which are more... Yeah, that's great radio, guys. Thank you very much. I love your I love your idea. Well, what else should we talk about? I mean, if you don't want to talk about this topic, what would you like me to talk about? Uh, space aliens? I mean, we could talk about, oh, the, the Pleiadian conspiracy has vastly come upon us, and according to the channel... Give me a break, dudes. I'm a, I'm a geopolitical guy. I travel the world. I work in elite spheres of, of the economy. I work in elite spheres of the, of the political process. I'm supposed to, really? So to those of you who are having a problem with the fetch, tune out, man. Tune out. Seriously, tune out. Just go away. I don't care. Go away. I don't need the audience, quite frankly. Uh, not that I'm all that stressed, guys, because I'm really not. Uh, what else uh, do we want to talk about this? Anyways, those of you who know what's going on, you know what's going on. You know where this is coming from. Uh, let's see here. Amazon. Uh, this is coming from the Jewish News. Amazon is under mounting pressure to remove Nazi or German propaganda books. Oh, isn't that great? It is worrying that distinguished publishers like Amazon would make available products that promote racist or hate speech of any kind. <sighs> Jeez. Again, more opposition to Jews, man. Because again, everywhere you turn, Jews don't work. They're just interested in stifling freedom of expression. Interested in taking away knowledge. Jews, if I, I swear, to a vast majority of Jews out there, if you are basically, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe an autistic guy with about a 65 IQ, unable to speak, I think most Jews would be happy if the world turned into that and they can be leaders of the Goyim. Even the worst of the Jews could be. GDs on earth because everybody else is basically 65 IQ Goyim. I think most Jews would be happy with that for some reason. I might be wrong, but somehow I doubt it. It's worrying that distinguished publishers like Amazon would make available products that promote racist hate. Oh my God, it's so bad. Uh, an introductory notice says, left by the website Third Reich Books, which published the book on Amazon Create Space, describes the English translation as a rare picture book much sought after by collectors. And it's interesting because, you know, you know what? Jews are right on top of it, aren't they, guys? Aren't they? Those of you who don't want me to talk about the topic, Jews are right on top of this, and they want it immediately banned the second it hits the shores, the stores. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And you don't want to talk about Jewish spying. How do they know so fast? Because you got what? The state of Israel, maybe? 
using AI-generated information to try to track down everything that they don't like. And as soon as they find something, they leak it to XYZ Jewish organization who then makes a big fuss about it. Next thing you know, poor Goyim is screwed again. But let's not talk about it because, hey, I don't want to hear about this stuff because I don't so uncomfortable. The former chancellor, anyways, you know, Amazon's garbage. I use them because they're cheap and they're probably losing money uh, on stuff I buy, but still, kind of stupid. Anyways, guys, it's been an interesting week. It's going to be uh, interesting more because uh, what's happening mainly in the economy here with the coronavirus, things are moving, but everybody's afraid to move. Literally, people are afraid to even leave the country. Uh, even if they can go, a lot of people don't even want to go like me. It's like, I, man, I can't trust what's going on. Even me, uh, seriously, and I'm not normally one to, to stress out too much, but uh, it's it's kind of amazing what's happening. And, of course, let's close with the final story here, and that's the uh, uh, Belgian uh, what do you call it? The Belgian float. What is this? Uh, the Alst Festival. I think we should start following the Alst Festival every year. It says here, disturbing images emerged on Sunday of the annual carnival at Alst, Belgium, showing an astounding number of anti-Semitic themes, costumes, displays, and statements which is what opposition to Jews, everybody. Israeli journalist Raphael Aaron documented people dressed as caricatures of Orthodox Jews. Okay, why not? I've seen Jews in caricatures of pretty much everything. Do you Jews understand that you're, you're starting to look pretty stupid now? You're complaining that you've got Hollywood? You're going to complain to us and you run Hollywood? How many of you Jews have been into caricatures of how many things? Oh, you're stupid, aren't you? You're complaining about basically what you Jews do in Hollywood everything else. It's the pet chair. I hope you enjoyed a little bit of this show today. Back with more Saturday inside the eye line. 10 o'clock. I'm Eastern. See you then. Good night.